Hi, I'm David Irvin. I'm a leadership development specialist and best-selling author, and we want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. The premise is simple. The podcast will provide you with insights for living and leading the authentic way so that you will be better equipped to amplify your positive impact as a difference maker in every area of your life. What's uniquely special is that I'm doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley. I'm super excited about this opportunity to work jointly on this project that we are so passionate about. So welcome, everybody. It's great to have you here. Last time we were talking about backstage work and the impact on on uh, on your well-being and on your leadership. And today we're, we're going to talk about self-care and what does it really mean to to have self-care and and how do we apply this in an authentic way? And I'm going to start with a quote actually by uh, by Maya Angelo. People won't remember what you said, and they won't remember what you did, but what they will remember is how you made them feel. Yeah. And so, if we're going to create an environment, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in our organizations, whether it's in our families, when we're going to create a place where where people can feel good about themselves, and it's not all on the positional leader, we're going to get into that in future episodes, it's something that we co-create together. But if we're going to do our part as leaders to create a place where people can feel supported and feel good about themselves, it's going to take energy. And that energy has to come from somewhere. I remember doing a, a presentation on self-care to a group of nurses, and they, they entitled it Self-Care is an Ethical Issue, because that, that energy has to come to you in order to have you give it away yeah. so that it comes from overflow, not from emptiness. And it, to me, it's all about energy management. It's no longer about time management. It's about energy management, how we're managing our energy and how we're giving that energy in a way that is felt as support and encouraging and also accountable. So what are your thoughts about that, Haley? Yeah, like I, I see this a lot, I think, in a lot of these professions like teaching, I would imagine, and you know, knowing nursing friends and things like that. I think a lot of these and 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 parents that I I myself am obviously not a parent yet, but you know, talking to parents and things like that, that any position that requires you to do a lot of caring, um, I think burnout can happen quite easily because it's a lot of giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and you have to prioritize caring for yourself uh you can't pour from an empty cup like we talked about yesterday um and i think burnout is such a scary place to be in it's like you know i was i was there a couple times like you know during one of my first years of teaching um because the teaching profession has such a steep learning curve um but I think too, a lot of people think that self-care is bubble baths and you know chocolate and drinking wine um, and carving out a bit of time for yourself in that regard. But I think like I, I had a, you know, I forget where I was sort of talking to somebody about this, but you know that self-care can also be you know cleaning up the kitchen so that you come home to a clean kitchen, right? Um, that can be really important self-care. Self-care can mean uh, you know saying no. Self-care can might also mean saying yes to going out with a friends with friends of yours. Self-care might mean um, you know, getting up a little bit earlier so that you have a little bit of quiet to start your day. Self-care might mean, you know, saying no to the office, you know, party in, in the in the lunchroom to go for a walk by yourself. Self-care might mean spending time with your family. Um, so self-care, it's 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 finding ways that fill your cup, it's finding ways that give you energy and prioritizing those. Um, so that you can then be the giver that you need to be. 
Uh, and I think that's hugely important for everybody. It's just recognizing what you need for self-care and prioritizing that um, so that, you know, you have energy and, and everything left over to be able to give. So what you're saying there is that you have to really know what gives you energy and what takes exactly. your energy and start exactly. to become self-aware. That's, you know, yeah. one of the reasons why we run these, what we call sage group, self-awareness group experiences, where we really, one of the things we look at is where do people get their energy? Yeah. And, and uh, what have you found that gives you energy, Haley? That's a great question. I found that for me, getting up early is really important, uh, even though it's, you know, I don't always get to bed at a good bedtime, but, you know, sleep is important as well, but also getting up early and starting my day off quiet um, that I found is, is hugely important for me because if I am running late and I'm spent pressing snooze and snooze and snooze, my whole day is thrown off. Um, and I find like, I just can't ever recoup, but if I can start my day off calmly and slowly, I find that's really important. Um, the other thing I find is, is important self-care for me is to budget more time than I think to transition between things. So, uh, you know, leaving an extra 10 minutes early to account for traffic, because for me, that's really important, uh, or to start getting ready, you know, half an hour before I actually have to leave to make sure that I can collect all of my things, um, fill out my water bottle, all that stuff. Um, for me, I also have to prioritize exercise, um, cause if I don't prioritize exercise, then everything else can get thrown off. And so if that means, you know, getting up early to be able to do it, sorry, my dog is hacking in the background, um, <laughs> ate too much grass this morning. Um, that is a huge, important thing for me. Um, and then also I think asking for help is another piece of self-care that's really important. I didn't used to be, I, I was never good at delegating um, until recently, um, but asking people, you know, hey, can you take this on? Hey, do you mind doing this for me? Hey, I, I don't have a chance to pick this up for work. Can, can you grab it on your way? Delegating and asking for help has been huge as well, knowing that it makes other people feel good to ask them for help. Um, obviously, you know, not being entitled that they'll give you help, but to ask for help is a hugely important skill. So I think those are some things that are super important to me. Um, and, you know, if I, if I don't prioritize those things, that's where I start to get cranky. I start to lash out. I start to get really tired um, and uh, not able to do anything. How about you, dad? Well, let me just step back a little bit before I answer that question for myself. Yeah. And here's the, here's something that I've noticed is that, People who are really good at taking care of other people and really good at being sensitive to the energy of others, paradoxically, the, the skill that it takes to be sensitive to others is actually counter to self-care. Yeah. And it's a, it's a yeah. bit of a paradox. And I'll speak from my own experience here. So I learned how to take care of others as a way of surviving in my family. And so, you know, in a, when you get, when you're raised, you know, and, and one of the things I would just ask our listeners to reflect on, and let's reflect on this for a moment is where did you learn in your early experiences about self-care mm -hmm. and where did you learn about caring for others? I learned actually to take care of others as a way of surviving. So it wasn't, you know, it, it, it was about taming my mother's rage 
And, and what I did to manage the conflict in my parents' relationship was to take care of them. I was, I was really kind of the family therapist when I was about five years old. And I learned to be like a prey animal. I learned to be very ultra sensitive to the environment around me. And so I learned to, uh, it, I learned to be attuned to the emotions of others as a way of survival. I called it, you know, if you were to look at that as a kid, you would say that's really that's really caring. But actually, it was survival because I was just trying to manage the energy and feel safe when I was, you know, a, a very young child. And so that dynamic, I developed an identity with taking care of other people as a way of surviving. And so it led to my first career, which was a family therapist, which uh, I, I was really good at being a therapist. I could attune to people's emotions. I could connect with people just like I can today. I was very externally oriented, but I had, didn't take care of myself because it was an identity issue. It meant dismissing, you know, dishonoring myself was about actually surviving and having an identity. So it, it led to burnout because I, I didn't respect the fact that I really needed to take care of myself. And I, I needed to go through the path of burnout. And I'm going to share with you some of my own strategies for taking care of myself, but it's it's been coming from my own pain and my own suffering that I've said, you know what, I have to, I have to put a priority on myself. I'm just not going to be good to anybody else in the long run. I can be good in the short run to take care of people, yeah. but in the long run, I have to fundamentally make a decision. I'm going to honor myself and I need to, I need to treat myself with as much care uh, as I treat other people. And it felt counter to my basic instinct, which was to be externally oriented and to take care of other people. And I had to really shift that and do some reflecting on making that fundamental decision. So before why I talk a lot about of strategies, I want to talk about that fundamental decision. Can you identify with any of that? I was going to say, there's a reason why therapists need therapists, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, like I've had to, you know, like, I think something that's been so important is creating, you know, like one thing that I, I struggled with at the beginning of my career um, is taking work home with me mentally, taking all the emotional struggles of, of, of kids. And I think that's kind of like, you know, the problem with when, when being your, when you're a carer, you care and, and care and care and your compassion, you know, takes over your life so much so that it's really hard to shut off and create boundaries. Uh, and so it just bleeds over into every part of your life. And so you don't actually have that. You're right. It's an identity piece. You don't have that sense of self anymore. So absolutely. Yeah. So what were some strategies, dad? Well, first of all, I, I began to understand, and I learned this years ago by one of my mentors, Steve Covey, who talked about the difference between the urgent and the important. And I think I had to get it conceptually first before I integrated it. But the urgent are the things that press on you. And the important are the things that you press on. So um, is it urgent or, or important to take care of your health? It's important, but it's not urgent. Is it urgent or important to take care of a relationship in your life? It's urgent. It's important, but it's not urgent. But if you don't take care of the important things in life, they will eventually become urgent. And what happens was, was that I was I developed a whole identity in tied up with what I 
called the tyranny, responding to the tyranny of the urgent. So I developed this sense of importance. Oh, it was urgent and I can be there. I'm, I was like a firefighter that could, you know, be there, an emergency room nurse that could develop this sense of identity tied up in, in the urgent. But I had to really step back and say, what are the important things? And I, I, I love Covey's notion of big rocks and sand. So the sand, if you can imagine two buckets, and many of you I'm sure are familiar with this analogy, but the, the, the sand are, is the urgent in your life and the big rocks are the important things in your life. And what Covey taught me years ago was to schedule the big rocks first which is to really know what are your big rocks. And the big rocks for me, I've, I've developed a little model out of my core values uh, are the five pillars of my life. And what I've discovered is that and what I, I define a big rock as those things that require at least weekly attention that aren't an option. And just like, just like an investment strategy, you pay yourself first. You, you take care of yourself first by scheduling those big rocks in. And the one habit that I absolutely have hung on to uh, that Covey taught me back in the 70s is take time to plan out your week first before it starts. If you're only planning every day, you're just managing the urgency. So mm -hmm. take time at the beginning of your week to schedule what are the big rocks this week and make sure that that the big rocks get handled first. And then the sand, the tyranny of the sand, meander and uh, sift through um, uh, the big rocks. But if you don't schedule the big rocks, what happens is the sand won't make any room for those. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. Yeah, you've always planned your week out. I remember that. That's your Sunday thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah. But I've had to do it out of, again, my own suffering. So uh, some of my big rocks, uh, these are my five, what I call my uh, pillars of my life, or I, I call them constitution, which is the basic makeup of who I am, which has to do with my character and my own health, uh, community, the connections in my life, my craft, which is developing my vocation, contemplation, which is matters of the soul, and finding a, a faith and a power greater than me, and then contribution, which is about making a difference in the world. And I need to attend to those each week. So some of it's as basic as scheduling in, how am I going to take care of my health this week? Um, how am I going to um, look after my spiritual life this week? How am I going to schedule time with the important people in my life and reaching out on a daily basis and connecting with people and just really making a priority to take care of these things so that then I can then take care of others. I was I spent a day a couple of weeks ago chopping wood for a day, and I just noticed, you know, that physically I was exhausted at the end of the day, but it was so therapeutic for me because I actually got to see something come to fruition. I actually saw, you know, in my work, it's really hard to see something finished, and it was so therapeutic to actually see a stack of wood that I achieved uh, by chopping all day. And so these are ways, it was actually a, it was a good energy uh, builder for me to just see things come to fruition or something like gardening and just whatever it is, um, these, are, these are things that I just to pay attention to what that energy is and then pay attention to those five rocks and make sure I schedule those in first. Yeah, if my connection, can you hear me okay? I just wanna make sure my connection's okay. I can stop my video yeah. at any point, just interrupt me if, if I start no, to get good. all garbly. 
Okay, good. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, like, I think that's, you know, the, the, that satisfaction piece, I think, um, for me, I get that out of cleaning the house for me, because I think likewise, like with teaching, you don't get that piece of finish just like you, right? And so for me, that piece of self-care that I feel like I have to have in order is to make sure everything's tidy and organized um, and clean. Because um, I find like that visual stimulation of, of clutter and mess throws me off. If I'm around that visual stimulation, I, I lose things, I misplace things, and I feel like I'm not completely settled. So finding time to clean and tidy is so important. Um, finding time to be grateful. Uh, I try to sliver out a little parcel of my day um, to express gratitude to those around me or to at least like have that practice of gratitude. Because um, I find um, that has been a game changer, especially since the pandemic. I find it's it's sort of like an act of looking for the good stuff um, without it being sort of like that toxic positivity piece. But finding ways of being grateful and expressing that gratitude to those that I'm grateful to, um, and you know, having that that daily practice of that um, exercise is something that's that that will completely throw me off if I don't prioritize that. Um, if I miss exercise, then then it's game game over. <laughs> um that's been super important too um and uh getting outside has been another big one and and movement um and taking care of my body that way has been a really important one too so it's been good to take the dog out go for runs go for walks because uh, if i'm stationary and stagnant it's it's not good for my body um and then yeah i think too just you know communicating like has been a really important one too um and being really clear with with what i want so you know, with those around me saying, hey, you know what, I'm not up to talking about it right now, but I'll, I'll talk about it later. Or, hey, I really need your help with this. Or I'm feeling really stressed about this. Can can you help me out with this? Just being that clear communicating has been really, really important. Um, but yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think you bring up a great point here that, that self-care isn't always comfortable. I love that notion. It's yeah. not always doing what's easy. I, I think we all need a some kind of a strength building system. Now, you and I are oriented toward the physical. I love physical exercise. Uh, it, it, it really bolsters me. It gives me energy. But oftentimes, I, when I start exercising, very often my thoughts will tell me, you know what, I can think of 100 reasons why today is not the day to exercise. I have so many but, things to do. <laughs> I don't have exactly. time. Yeah. But what I find a strength building exercise are those things that are non-negotiable but that you may not feel like doing them at the time, but you feel strengthened and you get energy from doing them. And, yeah. it, you know, maybe, you know, if, if your energy doesn't necessarily come up while you're exercising or while you're doing something, we all need some kind of a strength building system that we just do re, uh, relentlessly. Uh, that's that that's what builds a constitution for me. What builds good, strong characters, this ability to be counted on. If you want to be counted on in your work, and around people in your life, then it starts with counting on yourself and knowing, you know what, I have some degree of discipline in my life to say, I'm going to, this is important in my life, I'm going to honor that, whether it says saying no to something to, to make space for something in your life, whether it says no to expectations, whether it says no to some kind of a what's comfortable, so that you do what's hard. I just find when you have that self respect, that's that's one of the key elements in my strength building system. And it re reminded me a little bit with the, the the sand and the rocks, just going back to that a little bit too. Um, and I think like this is this is part of that that discipline is that 
the practice of recognizing what is in your circle of influence versus what is your circle of concern. And often they overlap. And I know I think I've mentioned this on previous episodes of this, but your circle of influence are, you know, what you actually can control. And your circle of concern are things that you can care about, but aren't necessarily within your control. Right. And so your circle of influence, you can control your, your priorities, right? You can control your, your, your expectations, but you can't. And, you know, so, so like, that's actually something that you actually actively have control over. And those are things that you can see empowered by recognizing that you have control over it. Your circle of concern aren't always the same things you have control or influence over, but it's okay to care about it. Right. And so that's where like your circle of concern can be the people in your life, but they're not, not always within your control and nor should they be right. So it's okay to care about them, but to recognize that those things are out of your control right? Or the weather, you know, you can care about the weather, but it's not within your circle of influence. <laughs> and so to let that go into your circle of concern, recognize that that's the space that it holds and then pull back. Yeah. Mental health is one way to define mental health is uh, the, our relationship with the non-negotiables in our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, you know, if it's, uh, if it's raining and we don't want it to rain, or if it's or if it's a drought and we don't want it to be a drought, you know the the weather really doesn't care. And so there's this yeah. level of acceptance. And so when when you can really distinguish and put your energy on what you can control and what you can't, and let go of things that you can't control. But I need a lot of support to do that. It's absolutely a strategy for self care, hundred percent. Absolutely. And it's 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 you know I I think I use that line with students a lot because. They come to me looking for, you know, my friend is doing this, this, and this to me, and I don't like it, right? Okay, well, what is in your circle of influence and versus what is in your circle of concern? How can you control this situation and, you know, take care of yourself, right? And so, you know, I, I just found like it's it's super empowering and it, like a critical piece of self-care is, is relinquishing what you don't have control over and to, being empowered to control what you can, which is saying no, which is saying yes, which is, you know, carving out the big chunks, the important pieces, right? The big rocks and letting go of the sand and things like that. Yeah. Case in point that we were talking just before this, I, I fell this morning and, and uh, hurt my shoulder and I wasn't able to, to uh, do some weightlifting that I wanted to do before. And I, I you know, I had to temper that a, a great deal this morning. And I think, you know, my mantra these days is, is uh, Leonard Cohen's forget your perfect offering. We're not going to get this thing perfectly. And one of the things that I want to really, you know, I, I was actually, I'm a little self-conscious actually in this conversation because my energy isn't great today. Um, I didn't sleep real well last night. I'm going to take some time off uh, this afternoon to go for a walk and to spend some time outside and just rest. Um, I, I wasn't very focused on work today, but I, uh, I just haven't been able to really engage with work and I'm just going to, I'm going to take a chill day. And I think part of it is just leftover energy from the wedding and from all the excitement <laughs> last week. I think it's kind of hitting me. And yeah. and yet I'm having this expectation that we should, I got to be, I got to have lots of energy for this conversation. Well, you know what? I just don't at this moment. And I'm debating whether we should re- redo this, this, uh, this episode, but you know what? It's you an know. imperfect episode, uh, but it, you know what? It's good enough. And sometimes we just have to accept just, uh, just like it Maybe right now you're listening to this and you're really feeling burned out and you don't even care about this content because you're just too, you know, there's all kinds of uh, charts and, and check 
checklist on the on the website, uh, you know, on on the internet to discern when you're burned out. But I think the important thing is to befriend when you notice low energy, when you notice burnout, befriend that and acknowledge it. Uh, you know, you you can't change what you don't see, and so see it and embrace it and befriend it, embrace your limitations and and come across with a greater sense of humanity. I think this is really core in my own relationship to self-care. Mm -hmm. And even to, I actually, you know, I, I've been sharing with you, Dad, that I've been doing this, these sort of new running track workouts. Um, and, and a line that I heard for the first time last night at these running track workouts, I hear it all the time in yoga classes, but it was the first time I'd, I'd heard it in a running context. And it just gave me a lot, a big sense of relief is do what you need to do today. So if that means to push yourself and to go out there and to do X, Y, Z, and to have that level of discipline, great. But if that means to hold back and chill and take a self-care day, great, right? Listen to yourself, listen to your body, listen to your, your mind and, and do what you need to do today. Whether that means push it, whether that means challenge yourself or whether that means have, be compassionate and relax, you know? So, so trust, oh, that's, that's a great you know? mantra. Do what yeah. you need to do today. Yeah. You know, I've, exactly. I've trained with Olympic athletes and uh, there were there were workouts when we just, you know, I I remember I remember hearing, you know, it, we're not a, I'm not nothing spectacular today. I'm showing up and I'm just going to do some I'm going to have an easy run. And you know what? It's, sometimes there was times where we were scheduled to have a, a good, hard uh, uh, interval workout mm -hmm. and wasn't there. You just say, you know what? It's not there today. Now, if that becomes a pattern, that's problematic. But sometimes we just need to honor ourselves. Well, that's and, what they say. And show up and do what's in front of you today. I love that. That's the uh, the the current. I think it's a good metaphor too. But right now, the, the the sort of current science for increasing your pace when it comes to running is run your easy runs easy easier than you think you should. Right, run your easy runs easy and run your hard runs as hard as you can. Right. But recognize that you need both. Right. You need to run the easy runs easy. Right. And you need to slow down and your body knows when you need to slow down. You just need to listen to it and to know that there are different types of tired. Right. Like at the, the wedding this weekend, my body was exhausted and felt ruined from, you know, alcohol and food and no sleep. But my my heart and my soul felt full. Right. And so I had lots of energy in that part of my life, but not in my body. So I knew that this week I needed to have a rejuvenating physical um, body, you know, relax. Right. And I needed to eat better and nourish my body and move my body and get some good breast. Right. Um, you know, but, you know, my mental health and my, you know, emotional health and my social health didn't need it rejuvenating. It was full. Right. So recognizing the different types of energy that you may have. Right. I love that. I love yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, so as we, as we wind this thing down today, you know, we, we're not offering a perfect formula here uh, <laughs> that, that you can follow a perfect template. I, I just hope that we've brought some humanity, but also some firmness mm -hmm. uh, in this to, and some, a little bit of discipline in this, but sometimes a discipline to do less. I'm a, I'm a, uh, a student of Bill Bowerman, the great track coach back in the 70s, and he's the one who introduced uh, rest to the whole notion of track in the 1960s mm -hmm. and and how we really grow through rest. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have our hard days, but make sure we have our easy days, too, where we can just chill and and uh, 
listen to ourselves, our body, mind, and spirit. There's a whole reason why Shavasana is the last, the corpse pose, the last pose of a yoga session where you just lay there and you feel the impact of an entire yoga uh, workout, an entire yoga practice seep into your body, right? Corpse pose where you literally just lay there. It's critical. It's a part of every single yoga practice and it's to just let it all soak in and just let it enter you without doing anything, just accepting the, accepting the, the gratitude and the practice into your body without pushing or trying hard. Right on. Mm -hmm. Right on. <laughs> well, I hope that we've given you something to uh, reflect on, to have some conversations with. We'd love to hear from you uh, in, in terms of your own thoughts around self-care and your strategies. Well, in conclusion, what are you grateful for today? Love that. Uh, I'm grateful for movement. Um, I'm grateful for, uh, my, the opportunity right now we're working on thank you cards. So my husband and I are now sitting downstairs at the kitchen table and he's, I have the nicer handwriting, so I'm doing all the messages while he's using the stamps. <laughs> so it's good partnership there. Um, and, uh, I'm yeah, just looking forward to we have a big softball game. Well, not big softball game, but we have a beer league softball game tonight. So that'll be fun to see everybody and get back to a little bit of routine and starting to look to head to planning the next school year. We're getting into August. So, and as always, I'm always grateful for, you know, the, the chance to connect with you and to, to talk about this kind of stuff because of how similar you and I are, dad. What are you grateful yeah, for? Well, <laughs> well, I'm certainly grateful for this conversation as always, but I'm all, you know, I just want to say, I'm grateful that you're writing grateful, that you're writing gratitude letters to people <laughs> who gave you wedding gifts and you're doing it right away. And that I'm grateful that you learned how to, be thankful, uh, Gotta to say, people. And, but I you, won't take uh, any credit for that. I know you got that from your mother who would insist. <laughs> I remember when your, when your grandmother would, would give us, uh, would give you presents for Christmas uh, or at, at any time, uh, and, or birthdays and, uh, <laughs> mom would get on your case and say, okay, oh you're going to write her worst. a thank you letter, but I'm the worst. I'm or get on the phone and influence. call mom, What's get her, get on the, get on the phone and call grandma. Oh, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's good. It's important. <laughs> anyway, you take care, my dear, and we'll uh, we'll see everybody at the next episode. Thanks for joining Thanks. us and thanks for tuning in today.